Hey everyone, I'm George Davis, and I too want to thank you for joining our online service. Also, I want to say thanks to Pastor Craig and Nina and Carter for sharing their stories, and thank you for coming alongside and supporting and encouraging our students this summer. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. This morning, we're starting a new series entitled, Deeply Rooted Together. Now, as, as, we begin, as we begin this series, let me ask you a question. And the question is this. You know, as we're, we're now kind of coming out of COVID and things are beginning to change, where would, where would you put yourself on the spectrum of responses, right? Maybe on one end is, is the idea of, I'm just trying to get back to normal, whatever that looks like for you. I just want things to be exactly like they were for me, for work, for school, um, I just want things to get back to normal. On the other end of this spectrum from kind of getting back to normal is embracing a new normal. Maybe you would say, you know, there's, there have been some interesting changes for me during COVID. My work has changed. Now I'm having, you know, more of a hybrid kind of a job now or I'm doing more remotely. And parts of that I like. I, I was in a conversation with someone recently who told me, you know, if I've got to go back to an office for 40 hours a week now, I just may be looking for a new job. So where, where exactly would you put yourself on this spectrum? I'm really about getting back to normal or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of learning to embrace a new normal as we move forward. And I, I realize with different aspects of your life, you may be at different points on the spectrum. But hey, this is, this is something to think about, maybe even a, a good conversation starter for you, your family, your friends over a meal. Now, here's, here's the reason I'm asking you to respond to this. It does seem like now that we are in, you know, in a transition season, uh, in many ways, uh, m- many of the numbers now are positive. The treatments have improved. Vaccines are being distributed. And, and more and more, our, our cultural conversation seems to about what comes next. How do things continue to reopen? So I think we're in a transition season. And I, I think we need to pay attention to this moment. I think we need to pay attention to this moment individually. I think we need to pay attention to this moment as a church. And I think we need to pay attention for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think we need to understand it's a transition season, but it's also a vulnerable season. And I say that for this reason. I, I think it's a vulnerable season because many of us, we're, we're tired, we're drained. And the truth is we don't always make the best decisions when we're tired. We don't always think wisely when we're drained. And it And in these situations, furthermore, perhaps over the last year, given our circumstances, we've developed some unhealthy habits. For instance, maybe we've allowed ourselves to become too isolated. And if we're not careful in this vulnerable season, those those negative habits may be ingrained. So I think we need to be aware of this moment because it's a vulnerable season. But secondly, I think we need to be aware of this moment because it's a valuable season. Here's what I mean by this. Now, now really is a time to look forward, I think, with growing optimism. I think it's appropriate to recognize we are coming out of this. Furthermore, now is a time for us to kind of pause and say, you know what, here's what I've learned. Maybe here are the things I need to prioritize. Here are things I may want to do differently. And I, that's, once again, true for us individually. And I think that's also true for us as a church. With that in mind, 
My prayer for you, my prayer for us as a church community in this, my prayer is simply that we will engage this moment well, that we'll engage this important moment well. So how do we do that? Well, to guide us in in kind of addressing that question, today we're going to begin a study through the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And uh, the series is entitled, as I've already mentioned, Deeply Rooted Together. Now, Colossians is a letter uh, written by Paul the Apostle to a group of followers of Christ in the ancient city of Colossae. That's an ancient city that's now in, in the country we know as modern Turkey. And as, as we go through this letter, we'll see this more as, as we get into the letter, we're going to see that these followers of Christ were facing certain challenges, particularly the influence of false teaching. And I think Paul realizes for this church, this you know what, this is a vulnerable moment, but it's also a valuable moment. It is a strategic moment that he wants them to engage well. Furthermore, and this... This may or may not be at work in the book. We don't know for sure. Furthermore, it's interesting that the region where Colossae is located, it's a region known as the Lycus Valley, is actually vulnerable to seismic activity. It's vulnerable to earthquakes. There's clearly a major seismic event, an earthquake that occurs in 17 AD, and there is another major one that significantly damages Colossae in 60 AD. Now, here's where this really becomes interesting. This letter that Paul writes is dated somewhere between the mid-50s and early 60s A.D. So it is possible, and we don't know this for sure, so it can't be said with any degree of certainty, but it is possible that even as we are now coming out of a pandemic, the people receiving this ancient letter were coming out of an earthquake. In any case, regardless of the specific date, I think Paul is writing this church at a strategic moment, a moment like us that they need to engage well. So today, uh, we're going to start going through the book, but we're not going to start at the beginning. We're actually going to start by looking at a statement that Paul makes in chapter 2. And we're going to start in chapter 2 because when we come to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, it really is the thesis statement of the letter. It's, It's the summary statement of the letter. It includes the first command that Paul gives in this letter, and those are usually important. And I think it also gets to the big idea of what he's trying to communicate. And if I would state in some ways the big idea that I think Paul desires for this church in this strategic moment, I would put it this way. To engage this moment effectively, embrace your core identity. To engage this moment effectively, embrace your core identity. To show you what I mean, let's now turn to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And what we're going to do today is just work our way through this summary statement of the book. So here's what Paul says in this important statement in Colossians. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now notice uh, how how this statement begins. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. And uh, this, this statement implies not simply you've made a decision to follow Christ, but that you've been taught. You've, you've come to understand Christ Jesus as Lord. Now that you understand that, continue to live your lives in him. 
This is the first command in the book. It's central to all that Paul says in this letter. Just as you've received Christ as Lord, now continue to live your lives. Continue to walk in him, a more literal translation. And what he's saying is it's, it's, it's imperative in this moment for you to live out the everyday experience of, experiences of your life in light of your relationship with Christ. Approach the everyday interactions, the responsibilities, the roles of your life in light of the fact that you are now in union with Christ Jesus. In other words, to engage this moment effectively, embrace your core identity. Now, in saying that, he's not denying that there are other components, other dimensions to who we are. I mean, for instance, you know, I'm a husband, a father, a pastor. In some ways, those are all dimensions of who I am, of my identity. But he says this in this critical moment. It's imperative that your life be grounded in this core relationship. Now, as you read the broader context of Colossians, even in chapter 2, it's clear how serious he is about this. Because he's in, in essence tells these followers, look, if you don't take this seriously, if you don't embrace your core identity in this critical moment, you're vulnerable to being deceived. You're vulnerable to orienting your life and your priorities in a way that is inconsistent with who you are as a follower of Christ. And I think that's true for us as well. We are vulnerable in this transitional moment if we are intentional embracing who we are as followers of Jesus. Now, at this point, we may say, okay, Paul, you know, we, we hear you, but, I mean, what does it mean to embrace my core identity in Christ? And in, in some ways, I think that's what he's going to unpack in the rest of the letter, so we're going to see that in, as we go through the letter, but it's also something he unpacks as he continues in this summary statement. As he continues in this summary statement, um, he really gives us four key concepts that help us understand what it means to continue to live in Christ Jesus. The first key concept is, is the idea of being rooted. Uh, last year, I, I got an unusual text message from one of our sons. He, uh, he had left the house and uh, he gets out of our driveway, gets to the stop sign. When he's at the stop sign, he sends me a text message, something like this. Dad, look out the window. Look at the tree. And so I went to the front of our house. I looked out the window, and there was this tree at the uh, kind of on, on the corner of our front yard. And it was completely like this. It was completely on its side. As it turned out, we had had a, a pretty severe uh, windstorm the night before, and the tree had it had just blown over. In fact, it, it looked like someone had simply pulled the tree up and turned it sideways. And of course, it became very clear that unlike other, other trees in our yard, this tree didn't have a particularly great root system. Now, think about that image for a moment, right? He's saying, okay, you want to understand what it looks like to live out your core identity? Well, begin by understanding that you are rooted in Christ Jesus, now, this is, this is an image that is found in other ways throughout Scripture, associated with what it means to be in relationship with God. And Paul wants us to understand, you know, as followers of Christ, we are rooted in him. So just think about, 
Think about what that means. Think about a tree with a deep root system. What, what's communicated when, with this imagery? Why does Paul use this imagery? Well, I think it, this imagery communicates several key, key elements of our relationship with Christ. I mean, other things, among other things, I think it communicates the idea of resilience. Resilience. There's a stability that comes with being a follower of Jesus and being grounded in this relationship. Remember, as we're going to see, Paul is concerned that these followers of Christ are being distracted, they're being sidetracked by wrong ideas, approaches to life, and, and he wants them to understand that you know, you're rooted, and this rootedness is to give you discernment, it's to give you stability, resilience in navigating life. I think also in using the image, he is reminding us that, that, that there, we're to be nourished, we're to be right empowered in this relationship. Uh, to be rooted is, import, is important for nourishment and, and strength. Furthermore, in using this image, he is reminding us that we're to be fruitful. I mean, just think about uh, uh, the similar way this image is used in Psalm 1 and the idea of uh, a tree that bears fruit and being able to bear fruit. I think Jesus taps into the same image in John's gospel when he says that he is the vine and we are the branches. So in, in encouraging us to live out our, our identity, Paul says, look, let's begin by understanding this. You, as a follower of Christ, are rooted in this relationship. You are rooted in Christ Jesus. And we, we need to hear this clearly because I think implied in this imagery is this. It's the, it's the reality that if, if we don't embrace, if we don't embrace this identity, we can experience negative consequences. I mean, just think about this. You will experience circumstances that can distract you, disorient you. Circumstances that require resilience. You need to be rooted. You can experience circumstances, circumstances that can easily drain you of your emotional, physical, and spiritual strength. Perhaps you would say you've gone through that at different times over the last year. You need nourishment. You need to be rooted. Furthermore, you can, you can encounter circumstances and challenges that become so all-consuming that it's easy to simply focus on the problem in front of you and you lose sight of the fact that God wants to empower you to be fruitful, not only to bring about fruit and change in your life, but also influence in the lives of others. So remember, you are rooted as a follower of Jesus, and we can experience negative consequences when we lose sight of that. Now, at this point, you may say, okay, George, okay. I know that I'm a Christian. I get, okay, my core identity is in Christ. I'm rooted. But to be honest with you, I can spout that off, but right now, I don't feel that way. Right now, I'm just tired. The idea of me being rooted in Christ, that's, that's something to find. That's fine just to talk about in church, but it's not really resonating with me right now. And let's just be honest. If that's where you're at right now, you are not alone. But if that's where you're at, pay particular attention to the next three themes that we find in this passage. Because first of all, he says, you are rooted. But then I think in... in 
And using the next three terms, he shows us practically how we can engage this way of life and this identity. He says we are rooted, and then the next term that he says is you're built up. We're being built up in Christ. Now, when you read that, you know, when he talks about being rooted and built up in Christ, uh, you may think primarily in individual terms, right? I mean, he's talking about me being built up in Christ. But interestingly, when Paul uses this particular term, he seems to have something else in mind. He uses this term when he envisions us being built up together. It's not really an individual image. It's, it's a collective image of, of Christians, of his church. And it, it's an image Paul uses to say, you know what? We are being built up together. We are growing together. That's the image that he is using here of being a follower of Christ, just, just like a temple. Let me give you an example from Ephesians where Paul uses uh, the same word group. This is from Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Here's that term, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. So Paul says, look, you, you are rooted, but you're not simply rooted, you're you're in this together, right? You're being built up. And the idea of being built up is, is the idea that we are, are to be in relationship with one another as we learn and grow and, and wrestle with what it means to be a, a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, understand this. If you have become more isolated as a Christian over the last year, and I think due to a variety of factors that's happened to many of us, Understand this, this can foster spiritual dissatisfaction. Interestingly, at the beginning of this chapter, Colossians 2, Paul implies that that our understanding of God is actually interrelated with our connection to other believers. And so when, when when we become isolated interpersonally, it it can drain us spiritually. So as you come out of this pandemic, you know, perhaps one of the things you need to think about is is investing in certain relationships that have lapsed over the last year. You know, whom are the people in my life that that can really be a source of encouragement to me? That that will be that will at times pray with me or pray for me. That I can discuss life with. That just kind of help me process the issues of life. Do, you know, who are those people in my life? Because remember. Paul is saying, look, you are to be deeply rooted, but you're being deeply rooted together because you're, 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 in essence, also being built up like a temple together. And this is part of what it means to live out your core identity. This is part of the reason, uh, you know, we encourage you at some point to get connected uh, beyond simply engaging our services into a small group, a live, love, lead group, or a, a mid-sized connect group. If, if you're already, you know, engaged in one of those groups, then maybe this is a good time just to make sure, hey, we're connecting with one another and we're looking out for one another. If you're not, just know that we would love to help you know some next steps that you could take uh, to build those kinds of relationships. So Paul says, look, you're rooted, and and because you're rooted, you need to understand you are to be built up. You're to be in relationship with one another. And furthermore, he then says, 
Not only are you to be built up, but you're to be strengthened. The idea here is confirmed or solidified in the faith. And and I think the imagery here and the use of the, the, the vocabulary here implies that we are to be strengthened as we put what we learn into practice. In other words, as I encounter God's word, for instance, through messages, through different groups that I'm a part of, things that I'm learning in corporate study or personal study, I need to be open to next steps that God is inviting me to take, steps of obedience that are in front of me. And, and, and guess what? As we go through this book, I think Paul is going to talk intentionally about some of those kinds of steps that you and I need to take. And so we need to be open to embracing them, not simply get into the pattern of, you know, I listen, okay, that was great, and I move on, but I, I listen with an openness to take next steps. Paul says, as we do that, we will be strengthened in our faith. Even now, you know, as you look back over the last year, maybe there are things that have become clear to you, challenges of, you know, here's a next step that I need to take. And if that's become clear, I just want to encourage you to embrace that. That's part of living out your identity. And along those lines, in a moment, there is a specific step that I'm going to ask you to take, a, ta- a, a step that we can all take together as we go through the book of Colossians. So Paul says, look, I want you to be rooted. I want you to be built up. I want you to be strengthened. And finally, he says this. This should lead to overflowing with thankfulness. It should lead to gratitude. Perhaps over the last year, there have been moments where you found yourself stuck in negative patterns of thinking, uh, there have been moments where you know all you could see were what you perceived to be all the things other people are doing wrong, things to complain about. And, and once again, trust me, if you found yourself there, you weren't alone. All of us went through those seasons. But if you found yourself stuck there, and even if you find yourself stuck there right now, understand that a powerful way to short-circuit that kind of negative pattern of thinking is gratitude. Interestingly, For Paul, one of the clear marks of growing as a follower of Jesus, one of the clear marks that we are embracing our identity is that we are becoming more and more thankful. We are attuned to the ways in which we can celebrate God's greatness and goodness. So here's here's the big idea as, as we get started. Once again, to engage this moment, right? We're in this transitional moment and we want to come out of it well, but to engage this moment effectively, embrace your core identity as a follower of Jesus. And to do that, understand, understand that you are rooted in him. And in the course of this book, he's going to show us what that looks like. He's going to confront us with the supremacy of Jesus Christ in powerful ways. And he wants you to see you are now rooted in him. This is who you are. And it's, a, it's to shape how you approach life. And at a practical level, that means I'm, I'm, to be, I'm, I'm to be in relationships with others who are on the same journey. It, it means that I'm to, be, I'm to be taking next steps of obedience, as, as, as I'm encountering God's word and, and growing in, in the faith. And all along the way, I, I, I'm to be taking time to be thankful, to be grateful in light of God's faithfulness. 
Now, with that in mind, recognizing that, you know, in embracing, <laughs> in embracing our core identity, we, we need to be willing to take next steps. There's a next step that right now I am asking you to join me in taking. Uh, it's a next step you probably haven't taken before, but I really am convinced it's a next step if you will take it will be significant in engaging this season well. Let me explain it this way. As our elders have been meeting and discussing how we move forward as a church community, how we move through this season well, one of the themes that has become central to our conversation is this. It's the centrality of prayer. If if we are to engage this moment well as a church community, if we are to engage this moment well, prayer, prayer needs to be central to all we do. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As I said, you've probably never done this before, but I'm going to ask you to do this as we go through the book of Colossians. I'm going to ask you, as we go through Colossians, to pray through this book with me. Now, here's what I mean by that. Each week, as we go through this series, we're going to highlight a couple of verses from the text that we are looking at. And what I'm what I'm doing is I'm inviting you to pray through those brief passages three times every week. To pray through the passage once, and in, in really in relation to yourself. To pray through it a second time in, in relation to your family and in relation to your church family. And then a third time to pray through the passage, thinking really beyond the walls of the church to your spheres of influence, to the other people that are in your life and beyond, you know, in your community, in your workplace, in your school. Now, you may be wondering, so what exactly do you mean when you say to pray through a passage? Well, to simply work through the passage and and use the key themes in the passage as, as foundations for prayer. You can use the themes as, as points to praise God about certain things, or you can use the key themes in the passage as, as petitions to pray for yourself and for others. For instance, the, the passage for this week is actually the passage that we just started with, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So in praying for myself, you know, and just kind of praying through that passage, I might particularly gravitate to that theme of being rooted. And I just, I might spend some time in prayer just thanking God for the fact that I'm now rooted in him, confessing the way sometimes I'm distracted from that, but just acknowledging uh, that, you know what, who I am is, is now grounded in this new relationship. As I pray for others, for my family, for, for my church family. I might think about certain relationships that, that are important to me, and I might be you know, praying for my family, that as a family, we might be built up, that maybe there's some relational stuff that's been challenging during COVID, and you know, to lock onto that idea of being built up together. And, and likewise, for, for relationships that are key to me in the life of the church, to pray for those individuals specifically. When I pray a third time, maybe for others, other people in my sphere of influence, maybe people who don't know Christ yet, perhaps I would just pray that they would come to discover <laughs> that they need to be rooted in Christ. 
I, maybe I would pray that they would come to discover, you know, other Christians and people who are being built up in their faith so they could see what that looks like. So what I'm inviting you to do is this, each week to pray through a, a certain text of Scripture, once for yourself, a second time, maybe later in the week, um, you know, for your family, for your church family, and then a third time later in the week for people in your spheres of influence beyond the walls of this church. Now, to help you with this, we have prepared a simple prayer guide that lists all the passages as we go through the series, so you kind of know which passages we're praying through that week. It also gives you a little more explanation about what it means to pray through Scripture. Uh, this This is going to be available in the lobbies of our church, and also you can find a PDF version that you can download at hfcinfo.com. Furthermore, if you'd like to get text reminders each week that just kind of of keep this in front of you, uh, we'd be glad to do that. All you have to do is text DRT to 717-537-9172, and you'll just get those weekly reminders to encourage you to join uh, join with us, really, in praying through Colossians. Now, inviting you to join me in doing this, let me just real quickly highlight three reasons why I think this is important. First of all, maybe you would say, you know what? Prayer's just never been, it's never been a part of my life because I don't always know how to pray. Well, if if you join in with us each week, right, the the passage of Scripture is is going to direct your prayers in in a particular direction. Secondly, maybe you would say, you know, yeah, I... I know I need to pray, but at times I just get bored in prayer. You know, I get bored in praying for the same things, for the same people. It just feels like it's rote kind of memory stuff that I'm not really engaged when I do it because I'm praying the same thing over and over. But if you engage this process of praying through Scripture, you know, each week you're going to be praying through different passages that will direct your prayers in different ways. For instance, if you're like me, you know, and a parent, and, and, you know, part of what I want to do each week is to pray for my family as part of this and my kids, each week the book of Colossians is going to direct us as parents to pray for our kids in different ways. So it's going to help us to be uh, intentional in praying, perhaps in ways we've never done before. And finally, let me say this. I think this is important because as you engage this, I just think, I think, the, I think the words of Scripture are going to become alive to you in new ways. As you spend your, your time before God in His Word, I, I just think you're, you're going to come to a deeper sense of who you are and who He is and what He has done through Jesus Christ. And in the course of this, as a church community, I think we're going to be refreshed and empowered with the truth that we really are deeply rooted together. Now, with that in mind, let me, let me pray for us. And, and what I want to do is just kind of just briefly pray through this passage. Gracious God, as we come to this summary statement, Father, I thank you that in the midst of all that we've gone through and the tiredness and the weariness, the frustration, the uncertainty, I thank you in all of that that we are deeply rooted in Christ Jesus. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, particularly who've been distracted from that truth. I pray, 
I pray that this word from Colossians would, would just confront perhaps some of the negative self-talk even now. And Father, as, as we understand that we are rooted, I pray that that would help us value the importance of relationships. And perhaps even now, your spirit can bring to mind relationships that could be important in our lives, but they've become neglected over the last year. Would, would, you just, would your spirit just bring that to mind? People maybe that we, we need to reach out to, people in our group, we just need to check in on, make sure they're doing well, and help us just to recognize that we are in this together. We're deeply rooted together, and we're to be built up together. And Father, as, as we pray about these relationships, I pray that we'd also be open to next steps that your spirit may be placing in front of us during this strategic significant time of transition that we're all going through. Father, if there are changes in our lives that really you're wanting us to make, I pray that that would become clear. I pray that as we go through this series, I pray that for some of us, they're just going to be parts of this letter that that are just going to pop. I pray there are going to be moments where we engage Scripture, where it just feels like this is written directly to me in this moment. And Father, when that happens, I pray that that we would be attuned to responding well. And Father, all along the way, even though we're tired and weary, I pray that we would understand we have reasons to celebrate. And so may may you just empower us (laughs) to be people who are thankful. May you empower us not to get caught up in some of the negative thinking that just blinds us to that for which we should be grateful. And I pray these things in the name of the one who makes it all possible, Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, I want to thank you for joining us for this online service. I encourage you to get a copy of this prayer guide, either in person here at the church or online at hfcinfo.com. And just ask you, will you join me in this so that together we can experience the truth that we really are deeply rooted in Christ Jesus. Amen.